Amen. We're, by the way, we're so glad you're here today, and I'm going on limb. There's no church in America that did the Hallelujah Chorus and then had a banjo. <laughs> if you're out there and you, you have, let me know. I would love to hear this. Uh, we are so creative to do whatever it takes to, to hear the gospel message. This morning, I invite you to take a copy of God's Word and turn to our passage found in the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, chapter 4. We'll begin reading with verse uh, 4. And while you're turning to that passage, let me again talk about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, As you heard, David and Janet Hooten, who, by the way, are probably uh, one of my favorite uh, couples in the world. They are amazing people. We worked with them uh, doing some work in Africa. Uh, as Mark said, they, they grew up there and been missionaries there. And as you know, the last, for about 15, 16 years, we've done work in, in Malawi and Zambia and South Africa and Botswana. And, and, but David Hooten is an incredible person. I'm encouraging him to write a book. Uh, he was in Rwanda uh, during the genocide. Took him three days to get out of Rwanda. And then, once his family was saved, he went back in to minister. Uh, in his 50s, he went to Mozambique to go to a people group, uh, over 99% Muslim, and he had to learn a new language in his 50s. Uh, he just has a passion for lost people. Uh, just an incredible couple. And, and because of people like that, that's why we give the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 100% of that money goes to our missionaries, goes to take care of their needs, what they needed for the gospel. And so every Christmas, you've heard me say this many, many times, at Christmas, this is Jesus' birthday. What are you going to give Jesus for his birthday? I believe the greatest gift we can give to Jesus for his birthday is to give money for our missionaries to tell the world, a lost world, about Jesus. And so we encourage every family to give something and and to be in prayer. What gift are you going to give to uh, for Jesus' birthday? Also, I want to take a few moments to just thank you, so many people, for all the work you've done for our uh, helping our community. Our community was devastated because of the storms, and our church has been working around the clock. Uh, we've had over 100 people at the church uh, uh, serving, and, and, and we're getting in supplies, and we're sending out supplies as fast as we can. Uh, we don't want to keep supplies here because that means somebody needs them, and so we've been sending supplies uh, from Dawson Springs to Princeton to Mayfield. Uh, but we've also had people work with the Kentucky Baptist Convention Disaster Relief in Murray. Uh, we've also had some of our members work with Samaritan Purse. We've had some of our members work with World Vision. Uh, we've had some of our members work with local and state uh, groups, emergency groups. Uh, we've had people work in their own jobs. Sometimes we forget uh, because of the pressure in our area, some people in their jobs are, are taking more responsibility to help uh, relieve some of the pressure in the Mayfield area. And so thank you so much, many of you. Uh, we've also had some minor projects, many, not minor, many projects uh, going and doing a project and coming back, and we're going to have a lot more of that. Uh, I've said this before, we've seen this after Katrina, and we spent over two years with Katrina. We've seen this in other areas. I've seen it when I was in Alabama after a tornado would strike. Uh, after a few weeks, people forget, but we're not. And so probably around mid-January, the world's going to forget this and go to the next crisis, but we're not going to forget. And so we, this is a long-term process for us. And we have seen so many miracles. Uh, I asked some people that we need to start compiling a list or making a video of just some of the incredible stories that God is working 
And I mean, we've seen where people will come in and say, hey, do you know where I can get such and such? And while they are talking, someone from another state will be coming in and say, hey, I got a pickup truck with this. Do you need it? Well, this guy's just looking for it. We are seeing those kind of stories. Uh, we have, I got a call the other day from a pastor in Seattle wanting to, uh, heard about us and wanted to send uh, money and, and supplies. But again, we've said this every time. Please hear this. The story is not about us. Okay? It's not about us. It's about them. It's about people who are hurting. So that's why we're not really talking about what we're doing. What we're talking about is helping people. And again, thank you so much for all the people who are contributing in so many different ways. And I know some have already talked to me today saying, Pastor, in the next few weeks we're going to help right now. Uh, you know, we know you're busy, but in the next few weeks we want to help. And we totally, totally understand that. Book of Malachi. Chapter 4. The last book of the Old Testament. Verse 4, remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in horror for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Let's pray. Our Father, today we ask you to guide us. Father, as we look at this passage, that, Father, we may understand it. And, Father, what it means to us. And help us, Father, understand how you work through us and sometimes even through your silence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 2017, Samir Mezari produced a song that was very popular on the iTunes charts. In fact, it really became an instant success. The name of the song was A-A-A-A-A, Very Good Song. Now, granted, he's not the best creative person on song titles, I grant you, but he produced a song that went up the charts on iTunes. Everyone, it seemed like everybody was talking about it in 2017. People wanted the song. And so if you haven't heard the song, let me, let me play just, just a, a, a little clip, a sample of the song. Here it is. How'd you like it? The song, A-A-A-A-A, very good song, is 10 minutes of silence. So he's also not a very good songwriter either. <laughs> But he's creative. So why was this popular? Why were people paying 99 cents for this song? If your car has Bluetooth, and you start your car, many times the Bluetooth will go to your very first song in your iTunes. And people got tired of hearing various, the songs as they're backing their car up or driving down the road. And what they wanted was silence. They said, we need about 10 minutes of silence as we're backing our car out, as we're going to work, wherever we're going. We're tired of this song, the very first song, our iTunes coming on, and so we want silence. We need a moment of silence. And so he figured it out, and he produced the song. Silence is really good for us. 
In 1859, the British nurse Florence Nightingale said this, Unnecessary noise is the most cruel absence of care that can be inflicted on sick or well. But what she observed by intuition has been proven. Luciano Bardardi in 2006 did a study on the effect of music on our bodies. And so he, what he did, he, he rigged up uh, people as they listened to music, and he checked their blood pressure, their heart rate, uh, they, he checked the, uh, even the chemistry or their blood, and he was playing various music sounds to them. Six different types of music, and he was noticing, did they respond to the music? And what he found out that all sorts of music, regardless, there was some physiological change. Something was happening in our bodies physically when we hear music. But what they discovered was something they had not anticipated. Before each song, they gave two minutes of silence for a bass rate. And what happened was, it was during the two minutes of silence that the body had the most change. In the two minutes of silence, the blood pressure went down. The heart rate went down. The blood chemistry started changing. They realized that silence was better for our vitals than any sound or any song that we would listen to trying to calm ourselves. And they said, silence is good for health and for our soul. And so other people began to study this, this phenomenon that silence can help us. I mean, silence is not only good for us, we know that science actually changes us. So in 2013, some scientists decided they, they took mice and they gave them two hours of silence per day. Now, I don't know how they put those uh, earbuffs on them. What they discovered, two hours of silence per day, the cells in their brain, the hippocampus, literally changed. Hippocampus is associated with our memories, emotions, and learning. And let's face it, we all want more mice with better memory skills, okay? <laughs> but what they discovered was this. Silence can literally change the brain. Silence can calm us. And silence can change us. But what happens... When the silence is from God, what happens when God is silent to us? In the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the next book is the New Testament, the book of Matthew. From the end of Malachi to the beginning of Matthew, is 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence from God to his people. It was as if God went offline. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, there was no prophet during this period. There was no prophetic word. There was no writing. We consider inspired scripture. Now, now some denomination will claim some uh, inspired writing of this period, but we do not. So between Malachi and Matthew, God was silent to the people of Israel. Now, yes, God was still there. Yes, God talked to individuals. Yes, God moved in people's lives. But there was no official word from God. There was no prophet to confront the nation. There was no prophecy given. All the prophecy that we needed. 
for the Messiah to come had already been proclaimed. And so now there is silence. Newscasters are always coming up with unique ways to sign off. Most, probably the most famous was Edward R. Murrow in the 1950s, the 1940s and 50s. He was a reporter in World War II. He, he would sign off the very same way on radio. He would say, good night and good luck. Many people remember Walter Cronkite from the 60s throughout the 80s. He would always sign off the same way. That's the way it is. My favorite was Paul Harvey. Now, some of you have no idea who Paul Harvey is, and I am so sorry for you. You have missed out. Paul Harvey had a way. And I know most people think that's the way it is, but there was another way he did his other show, Good Day. Everyone wanted to have some kind of sign-off. Here in the book of Malachi, God has given a a sign-off which is going to lead to silence. He signs off with a prophecy. A prophecy about a prophet, a prophecy about a a curse, and a prophecy about repentance. He's going to give this prophecy and then 400 years of silence. Look at verse 5. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. God gives a prophecy. I'm sending the Messiah. There's going to be a man before the Messiah, a prophet. And when that prophet comes, know the Messiah is coming. And the Messiah is going to change everything so I do not have to smite the land with a curse. This is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And then 400 years of silence. Now, this is not the only time God had been silent in the Bible. Those of you who know your Bible, you know that there was another time in the Bible that God was silent. After the children of Israel were captive and slave in Egypt, remember, for 400 years, they cried out to the Lord, and God was silent to them until he brought Moses, the deliverer. And so now the book of Malachi, we're going to have another 400 years of silence before God sends the ultimate deliverer, his son Jesus. 400 years of silence. Now, God is still active. God has not gone on a vacation. God is still there. But for 400 years, there's not a prophet. 400 years, there's not a new word from the Lord. Now, you think about this. 400 years ago, for us, that's Galileo talked about the earth revolving around the sun. 400 years ago, the Taj Mahal was being built. I mean, 400 years ago, the, the Mayflower Compact was signed. That's a long time if you put it in our, our world. 400 years of silence. And so here between Malachi and, and Matthew, a lot's going to happen. Please understand, a lot's going to happen in these 400 years. At the close of Malachi, the Israel is back in Palestine after the Babylonian captivity. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see all these kingdoms changing, the, the, uh, the Persia and Medes. And, and, and then by the time Matthew begins, Rome was in charge. So many things are going to happen. During this time, they, they're going to take the Old Testament and write it into Greek. It's called the Septuagint. In 400 years, so much is going to happen. And in 400 years, the people are going to get tired of the pagan faith and the pagan religion, and they're looking for the Messiah. For 400 years, the people of Israel are looking at one another saying, when is the Messiah going to come? And they are desperate for that change, and they are hungry for that change. And at the right time, 
God sends a baby. His name is Jesus. When it appears as if there is no hope at all, when the world was at its darkest, God shows up in a totally unexpected way. Because that's what God does. When it seems like everything's hopeless, that's when God appears. 400 years of silence. And do you remember how he broke the silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament? With a man named Zechariah. God comes, angel of God comes to Zechariah and says that you're, you and your wife are going to have a child and you will name him John. And listen to what Gabriel says in Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedience to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Does that sound familiar? It should. We just read it. What God says in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, he is now after 400 years of silence, is saying it again in Luke chapter 1 verse 17. The silence is over. The Messiah is coming. And Zechariah is so confused, I mean, he questions the ability. He says, my wife is too old to have a child. He doesn't say anything about his age. I love that. But my wife is too old to have a child. God had been silent so long. I know what some of you are thinking. Who cares? You know, that's history. 400 years of silence and, and all the things that's taken place in the world. I really don't care about that. Let me ask you a question. What if God is silent to you? You see, you may not care that God was silent between Malachi and Matthew. Maybe that, that's just beyond you. You really shrug your shoulders. But what if God is silent in your life? What does that mean? This morning, I want to give to you what it means what God, when God is silent, what it may mean. Three reasons God may be silent in your life. Let's look at it. The first reason God may be silent, silence can be a time of preparation. Silence can be a time of preparation. You see, for 400 years, God is preparing the world for the Messiah. I mean, for 400 years, all the political powers have been changing over and over and over. Israel has changed hands so many times. You had the Medes, you had the Persians, then, then you had the Egyptians, then you had the Syrians, and then the Greeks came around, and then you had the Romans taking charge. Alexander the Great comes. We talked about this a few weeks ago on Wednesday night. Alexander comes and conquers the known world, and now Greek is being spoken everywhere. Then the Rome comes into power, and they build these roads, incredible roads that people could travel anywhere, and Rome brought peace, and, and you could travel anywhere without fear. And 400 years of instability Every time someone else came into power, the people are looking at one another saying, what is going on? The Jews are feeling helpless and hopeless, saying, what's going to happen to us? All these different kingdoms are taking over. And they look around, and they see all these polytheism, all these different gods being worshipped, and they're saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? Well, what God is doing is getting ready for the Messiah. 
Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship. The phrase means at the right time, at the right moment, God sent Jesus. Jesus did not come too early. He did not come too late. He came at the perfect time because during that 400 years of silence, God is preparing the world for his son. So, yes, there was no prophet. And, yes, there was no new scripture, but we didn't need any of that because God was preparing the world. And when God is silent in your life, it might mean God is preparing you. God is preparing you for something great. God is preparing you for, to do something. And we need to be ready. Silence for us is not downtime. Silent does not mean we quit on God. In fact, it means we need to work harder and be prepared for what God is about to do. Because God is going to do work. Now, we don't know the timetable of God. I mean, here's the prophecy of Malachi. They had no idea it was going to be 400 years. But that's the timing of God. When Jesus was 12, he said, I must go about my father's business. And yet he was only had to wait until he was 30 to begin his public ministry. Abraham was told by God that you're going to be the father of a great nation. But he had to wait 25 years before the child came. David was anointed king of Israel. But he had to wait over 25 years before he became the true king of Israel. Moses, the deliverer, had to wait 40 years on the backside of the desert. So God could soften his heart and strengthen his body to do his work. Our assignments are always based on God's timing, and we must trust his timing. We have this idea it's going to happen immediately, but it may not. And during those times, God may be silent. We do not tell God the timetable of his task. Because if they did that in the book of Malachi, it would not have worked. But our tendency is what? We tell God, Lord, you got to do it this way, this way, this way, this way. Here's the plan. I wrote it out for you, God. Here it is. We can't do that. we got to trust the timing of God. Number two, silence can be a time of contemplation. Silence can be a time of contemplation. You see, when things are silent, it's easier for us to focus. Gordon Hempton says that silence is an endangered species. Hempton is an acoustic ecologist. He studies sounds. For 30 years, he's been studying sounds around the world. In fact, he has what they call the list of the last great quiet places. Places on the earth that you can go to for 15 minutes of uninterrupted quiet during daylight hours. No surprise, there's only 12 of those places in the United States. It's hard to find a place of quietness. But he goes on to say that silence is necessary for us to think. Silence is necessary for us to, to contemplate things. But we have so much noise in our world, it's hard to think. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 46, Be still and know I am God. Here, God has given the people 400 years to contemplate what he just said. 400 years to contemplate the Messiah is coming. 400 years to contemplate you better get ready. 400 years to say you need to repent and be ready. 400 years. They didn't do it. They didn't contemplate on what God was about to do. You know what they did? Instead of focusing on relationship and repentance, they began to focus on rituals and rules. This is when the Pharisees came into play. This, the Pharisees began to write all these man-made rules you had to follow in order to get to God. So they can say, look at us, God. See how great we are. 
God gave them 400 years to contemplate this incredible promise that the Messiah is coming. And they didn't take advantage of it. And God may be doing that in your life. God may be silent so that you will contemplate what God has already told you. And here's a warning. If you don't find silence in your life to hear from God, he may force your hand. Remember Zechariah? Zechariah, who didn't want to listen to God. Zechariah said, hey, my wife is too old to have a child. The angel of the Lord made it that he did not speak a word for nine months. The angel of the Lord made sure he was silent so he could hear from God. Nine months later, he repented and did exactly what the angel said and called the child John. Zechariah was too busy telling God what God needed to do instead of being silent and contemplating what God wanted him to do. And sometimes God will be silent in our world or God will cause silence to happen in our world that we will listen to him. 400 years of silence. You know, sometimes silence speaks louder than words. And if you're married, you know that. I mean, our, when our partners are silent, it hurts. That gets our attention. When I was a youth minister, we had a couple of youth broke a major rule. And I remember the scene. They were in the room, and all the chaperones just lined up to, to yell at them. I mean, they, they were mad. Had to change the trip. Had to change everything. They were yelling. When everybody finished, they looked at me. It's your turn. I was so mad. I didn't say anything. I, I walked out. Later, both youth came to me. They were in tears. They said, your silence hurt us the most. Your silence, not speaking. Sometimes God is silent to get our attention. For 400 years, there was a silence of God. The prophecy saying the Messiah is coming. Get ready. Third, Silence can become a time of anticipation. Silence can be a time of anticipation. I mean, for 400 years of silence, and then all of a sudden, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 says, the, Jesus is here. At the end of the Old Testament, we hear the prophecy, the Messiah is coming, and Matthew says, the Messiah is here. Now, the people have been looking for the Messiah for 400 years. They've been waiting for the Messiah. And there was this anticipation. And by the way, there's something powerful about anticipation. In fact, sociologists have studied it. Uh, Liz Dunn and Mike Norton says that anticipation is what they call free happiness. They've done study on anticipation. They say everyone needs to anticipate something. You look forward to something. It changes your mental health. You look forward to something. It gives a positive outlook. A healthy dose of anticipation can help you because it implies some future reward. It may be as simple as looking forward to lunch. In a few minutes, it may be anticipation of a TV show you see once a week. It may be anticipation of Christmas morning you're going to open gifts. It may be anticipation on a trip you may be going. It may be anticipation of, of something like that. But they said when you have that anticipation, it changes your mental health. And when you do what you've been waiting for, it's even better. 
So here's 400 years of silence, of anticipation, the Messiah is coming, and when Christ does come, you can see the joy in the life of Mary. You can see the joy in the life of the, of the shepherds, and, and, and you see the joy in Elizabeth, and you see in Simeon, all the characters of the, of the Christmas story, because they've been waiting. And I submit to you that sometimes God uses silence in us so that we will anticipate great things from him. That God is going to do a work in your life. The quietest room in the world is found in Orfield Laboratories in Minneapolis. That room is one foot thick concrete, three foot thick fiberglass acoustic wedges. It absorbs 99.99% of sound. Background noise measures negative 9.4 decibels. I don't even understand that. People from all over the world will come just to go in that chamber. They said it, it is so quiet, the only thing you hear in that chamber is your heartbeat, your blood flowing, and your breathing. The founder of that made this statement. He said, most people find the absence of sound deafening. They go on to say that this silence will stop people. It will change how they think. They start thinking clearer because of silence. And sometimes God will use silence to show you your need for the Messiah. Why did the Savior come? Because for 400 years there was silent, no prophet. And when Jesus appeared on the scene, he could talk about the Heavenly Father. He could talk about how to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. 400 years of silence prepared the message of Jesus who talked about repentance. This morning, you may have had a time of silence in your life. You may be going through a time of silence. You're wondering if God is still there. He is. But what is God wanting you to do? Would you stand by your heads for me? You see, God's silence may be he's preparing you for a great work. Or maybe he's trying to get you to think about what he's already told you. You've, have a word, you've had a word from God, and you need to think about it. Or maybe he's just building your anticipation for you to hear more clearly. This morning, will you respond to God? For those of you who are online, if you need to give your life to Christ, it's as simple as ABCs. A stands for admitting you're a sinner, saying, God, I can't save myself. I, I've messed up in life. B stands for believing, believing that Jesus Christ died for you 2,000 years ago, was buried on the third day arose. C stands for confess. Confess simply means giving everything you have to the Heavenly Father. We do that. If you're online, if you would just text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call and talk to you about your decision. For those who are here this morning, in a moment we're going to be singing a song. You just come to the front and talk to me or one of the ministers about giving your life to Christ or joining this church or answering the call to missions or ministry or maybe rededicating your life, whatever it may be. 
Or after our service, come to the Connection Center and talk to one of the ministers there. But in the silence, God is speaking. Will you obey? Our Father, let us hear your voice. And then, Father, let us respond to it. But the person who needs to give their life to you, Father, they've tried every way possible, and, Father, they have yet to find peace in this world. They've tried every way possible, and, Father, their world is still a mess. Let them come to you. Father, for that person you've been talking and speaking, it's not an accident they're here today. They're not an accident they're watching online. You're telling them right now you still love them and you care for them and you want to have a relationship with them. Father, let them come forward giving their life to you. Father, for that one that you're going to do a great work in their life. It may be this week, it may be next year, it may be 20 years from now, Father, but you are working in their life. Let them realize you haven't left them. You're still there. And so, Father, whatever decision we need to make this morning, let us make it in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.